Good morning. It is so good to see you this morning. It is just an amazing time to uh, get together as family, uh, to come gathering together to worship the Lord and to sing of his great name for all that he's done for us. Aren't we grateful for what Jesus has done for us this morning? Amen, amen. You know, one of the most precious traditions that we do every year on Good Friday is corporate worship. It's one of the, the greatest traditions that we do. And, I, and I'm just so thankful that we get to do this today along with our mother church, Lincoln Heights. And so we just want to welcome you. Uh, we are so thankful for you. Uh, literally, we are here because of you. And so we just want to acknowledge that. It is such a, an amazing honor to, be get, to get to worship together with you. We come together as one body, as one people, to sing of the tremendous sacrifice that was paid for our sins. And you know, there are many songs that communicate this. Many songs that communicate what Jesus has done for us. And, and, and these songs are the heart cry, expressing deep thankfulness for what God has done. And one of the songs that encapsulates this so well is the song, Worthy is the Lamb which was written in 2001. We sang this just before, um, uh, just before my sermon this morning. And, and the verse goes like this. this uh, the song starts like this. Thank you for the cross, Lord. Thank you for the price you paid, bearing all my sin and shame. In love you came and gave amazing grace. And so this song begins with this humble recognition of the cross that Jesus Christ endured suffering, torture, crucifixion for my sin, for my shame. He took it away because of his great love for us and gave amazing grace. You know, there's so many songs that talk about God's amazing grace. John Newton wrote one in the 1700s. Amazing grace. We still sing this today. Talking about what God has done. That he showed us when his goodness and loving kindness appeared. That he saved us not according to deeds of righteousness that we did on our own. But according to his own mercy. That's amazing grace. And that's what this song talks about. And the song continues and says, Thank you for this love, Lord. Thank you for the nail-pierced hands. Wash me in your cleansing flow. Now all I know, your forgiveness and embrace. The, the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. Washed us, cleansed us, set us free. And now we are embraced by him. And now for those who are in Christ Jesus, we can boldly, boldly sing the chorus of this song which declares this, Worthy is the Lamb, seated on the throne. Crown you now with many crowns, you reign victorious. Jesus reigns victorious. And the phrase that I want to zero in on this morning, which is the topic of my reflection this morning and what I'm going to be talking about on Sunday, on Resurrection Sunday, is this phrase found in, in this song, crown you now with many crowns. 
we're going to be focusing this morning on one of the crowns that Jesus Christ wore, and that is the crown of thorns. Will you pray with me? God, we just, once again, we marvel at your amazing grace. And we marvel at the price, the suffering that you, that you experienced, Jesus, for us. Thinking of us, mindful of us. Who are we that you are mindful of us? We thank you, God. Speak through your servant this morning. Open our hearts and our minds to hear something fresh in our spirits. Draw us closer to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's look at a passage in the scriptures together. If you have your Bibles, you can open them to the book of John, chapter 19. John chapter 19, I'm going to read verses 1 to 5. Um, the, the verses will be on the screen as well. Uh, but John chapter 19, verses 1 to 5, says this. Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I am bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold, the man. You know, it's at this time each year that we are reminded of the details of what Jesus has been through, what he had to go through for us. A lot of my friends on social media are Christians, and so they're posting a lot right now about Jesus, his suffering, his torture, and his crucifixion. Images from the movie Passion of the Christ. I'm seeing it all over my Facebook wall, and it's all over Instagram. It's right there. It's in front of us constantly throughout this season. The shame, the the torture, the abuse, the suffering, and the mockery that Jesus had to go through. We are so vividly reminded in this season. John chapter 19 is a picture of not only the flogging, Not only the torture that Jesus had to go through, but also the humiliating mockery done by the soldiers. Verse 2 says this, And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. This was done to, to, to just shame Jesus in a mocking way. But what the soldiers had no clue of what they had no idea what they were doing. You know, they were doing that to mock Jesus. To say, who's this guy? Hail King of the Jews. We'll give him a crown. It'll be made of thorns. He's no king. Let's mock him. But what the soldiers had no idea about was that what they did was actually a prophetic picture. A prophetic declaration of who Jesus is 
and what Jesus did for you and me. They had no idea what they did when they put the crown of thorns on his head. You see, a crown is a symbol of authority. It is a symbol of power. A crown declares kingship. So the question is, how does the crown of thorns symbolize authority, power, and kingship? How does that happen? Well, let's look at a passage together in the Old Testament in Genesis chapter 3. I'm going to be reading verses 17 to 19. Genesis 3 is the account of the fall of Adam and Eve. The consequence of Adam's sin is outlined in Genesis 3. What happens is there is a curse that is brought upon humanity. Genesis 3, 17 to 19 says, Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat of the plants of the field by the sweat of your face. You shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For you are dust and to dust you shall return. Thorns were a result of the curse found in Genesis 3. And they represent three things that humanity was cursed with. Sin, sorrow, and sweat. Humanity has been cursed with sin. Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6 says, We have all become like one who is unclean. And the righteous and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. This passage is so vivid. It talks about how the curse of sin it pollutes even our best intentions. Our acts of righteousness are like polluted garments. Other translations of this text say, our deeds of righteousness are like filthy rags. You know, the Bible says in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Humanity, this is a part of the curse. This is the curse of sin that is upon the entire human race. As a result of Genesis 3. Humanity has been cursed with sorrows. You know, King David writes in Psalm 13, verse 2, How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long do I have to go through this, Lord? How long must I have sorrow in my heart all the time? It's always there. How, must I, how much longer must I live like this? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? The Hebrew language has 15 different words to describe the meaning of sorrow. 15 different words to try to encapsulate that, what it means to experience sorrow. Words such as pain, grief, 
troubles, affliction, anguish. These are words that describe emotional distress. Emotional distress. We experience these things when the storms of life rage on, don't we? When we experience the death of a loved one. When we experience pain and trauma. Things that are done to us, spoken against us. We experience sorrow, anguish, emotional distress. In the midst of those difficult situations, the lenses by which we interpret life is sorrow. And we can relate to David as he writes in the lament psalms in the Old Testament, like this one, 31, Psalm 31, 19, Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eye is wasted from grief, my soul and my body also. Humanity is cursed with sorrows. Humanity is cursed with sweat. Now I should clarify this one. I'm not just talking about sweating. You know, we're not cursed with sweating. Although some people maybe, if it smells like meat and cheese. I should clarify what I mean by this. In Genesis 3, the curse of sweat is tied to work. It's tied to work. Verse 19 says, By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. Adam, working to provide sustenance won't be easy for you. You're going to toil. It will cause you to sweat, not only physically, but internally. Emotionally, mentally, spiritually, cursed with worry, fret, and anxiety. In the New Testament, Jesus describes thorns and the curse of thorns this way when he gives an explanation about the parable of the sower. You know, the the parable of the seeds that are scattered on different soils. He has to explain it to the disciples and In his explanation, Luke chapter 8, verse 14, this is what Jesus says, And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. They are choked. The Bible uses the word choked. And the Greek, in the Greek, that word choked means pressed or crushed. Humanity is pressed and crushed by the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches. These are thorns, the burdens of money, and the constant perception that there's never enough. There's never enough. It's like a prison in the mind for millions of souls, it's a heavy burden. The burdens of debt and the constant pursuit of material satisfaction. It's like this goal that you just, you can't reach it. Ecclesiastes says it's like chasing after wind. You can't catch wind. And yet, we are bound by the curse of sweat that causes worry, fret, and anxiety. 
The curse of sweat can bring overwhelming burdens to our souls. But there is good news. Isn't it good to hear good news? The word gospel means good news. Jesus wearing the crown of thorns symbolizes that he is king over the thorns and the curse of the thorns. He is king over them. He is king over my sin. He is king over my sorrow. He is king over my sweat. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, For our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Colossians 2.4 says, Jesus canceled the record of debt that stood against us. He set it aside, nailing it to the cross. Listen, Jesus is king over my sin. He is king over your sin. The Bible says in Revelation 21.4, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, crying, pain, no more. Former things have passed away. Matthew 11.28, the Bible says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Listen, Jesus is king over my sorrows. He is king over my sorrows. And finally, the Bible says in Matthew 6, 25, 33, it's not on the screen. I just want to just let the words of Scripture soak into your spirit as I read Matthew 6. I pray that as I read it, that the Holy Spirit would cause a rhema to just burst forth in your spirit from the truth of this word. Therefore, I tell you, Do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more val- of more value than they? And which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to your span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. He is king over my sweat, my toiling, my anxiety, my burdens. That Jesus Christ replaces my, my, my pursuit of wealth, my pursuit of the pleasures of life. He replaces them with himself. 
and his kingdom, which is an everlasting kingdom, bringing everlasting satisfaction. He replaces it. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He is king over all things. He is king over every situation you will ever face. He is king over every storm that has come, that will come. He is king over them. He is king over every problem, every mountain, every concern, every circumstance. He is king over every single disappointment. He is king. He is king. He is king. So let us crown him now with many crowns. For he reigns victorious over the thorns and thistles of our lives. Isn't that amazing grace? Let's give praise to God this morning.